We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who I am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. We got Dr. Dan Schneider here. Dr. Dan, welcome to War College, my friend. Hey, thanks, uh, Brother Jesse. It's always great to be here. It's always great to be on uh, on task. That's with, uh, right. On station. We used to say in aviation, on on slope, on glide path. Boom. You're just, just <laughs> guiding your way right into the landing zone. You can make it back to the officer's club before it closes. On slope, on glide path. Amen. Well, well, welcome aboard, my friend. Hey, Dan, let me just uh, let me just set, set the stage here. Well, somebody asked a question. So I'll, I'll just answer this one real quick. Somebody asked, uh, emailed to War College, can sons and daughters pray for their parents? Uh, I responded, yes, you have an obligation to do so based on the fourth commandment. In fact, if you want to see how powerful the prayers of children can be, St. Catherine of Siena, raised her mother from the dead by her intercessory prayers. So the answer to the question is yes, yes, and yes. You should be praying for your parents. And again, your your state of grace has a lot to do, like St. Catherine of Siena, the efficacy of your prayer. Well, then I want to get into a kind of a, a, a macro yeah, yeah. topic here. Uh, falls, falls under filial piety. So by virtue of filial piety, you, you owe, you, filial piety means you owe a debt to your parents for giving you life, for co-creating with God to give you life. You owe, you owe them the debt of filial piety, and therefore that helps understand the undergirding of the authority structure. I, I don't owe you filial piety, so I, I can pray for you in a deprecatory form, but if I owe you, there's, there's, no, there's no connection for us familially. Right. No, blood, no familial con- blood connection, right. right. Got it. So that's, that's the undergirding of the authority structure. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, adding that to that. That's important. That's an important component. Dan, let me just uh, just mention some of the books that have basically caused a revolution in the Catholic world because I think that your book that's coming up is going is going to have that type of effect. Uh, years ago, I remember probably I had, in 1988, a book came out called Catholicism and Fundamentalism. That's when I all started to get in my, into yeah. my faith. I bought the Carl book. Keating, it was yeah, yeah Carl Keating. It, it was uh, I've it was got a, it back here somewhere. Oh yeah, here it on. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. This is it. Great book, Carl Keating, The Attack on Romanism by Bible Christians. This is this is a must read for Catholics to really. You're right though. This this book knocked it open. Yeah, it it opened up kind of the world of apologetics in, in uh, back in the 80s. Then a few years after that, Surprised by Truth came out. That was in '94 by Patrick Madrid. Those were those yeah. were powerful. Uh, uh, books that were so they were like theological earthquakes so then we start moving a couple years past then uh, many people start writing about uh this uh the theology of the body by pope john paul ii it was put out by i think it was ignatius press a host of other authors jumped on board like jason everett and you know uh you know many other people pure love so there was a whole 
a whole list of books that were dealing with the theology of the body with chastity and purity. And that was good. That was another boon for the Catholic Church. Then we move a couple of other years. And then in the world of biblical theology, we were introduced to the Bible timeline, uh, the Genesis to Jesus, salvation history study, thanks to Dr. Scott Hahn and Jeff Cavins. Right. And so I mentioned these books because they moved the needle in the Catholic world in certain areas where the Catholic Church was itching, and these authors, they filled a niche. Well, well, well Dan, there's been a rise in Satanism, not only in our country, and not only in our church, but in the world. It's, it's, there's, it's, it's epidemic proportions. And there's a lot of people now that are jumping into spiritual warfare because they understand how important this is. You are coming out with a book in the next couple of months, which I believe is going to be the next theological time bomb. It's going to be basically Liberation Through Christ Field Manual. And it's going to be for the average layperson so that they can armor up and learn how to stay protected from the diabolical and turn their house into a domestic church. You know, Dan, I've heard you and Kyle and Father Ripperger say that at the end of the day, uh, all all liberation, you know, per, virtually all liberation is self-liberation. I was rereading some books last night from Father Gabriel Amort, the three books that he wrote. He said the same thing in every single one of his books. He says all liberation is self-liberation at the end of the day. And so... I want to talk to you about, uh, I'll tell you why your book is going to be so important. Because first of all, you're drawing from, you're coalescing the lectures from Father Chad Ripperger, Kyle Clement, and your own experience from being on an exorcism team for many years. So there's, there's three people who you're drawing experience from. You've got a PhD, you're a Steubenville professor. You have this apologetics background. So you're putting this all together, but you're doing it in an understandable way because a lot of people, Dan, are running around right now that are diabolically afflicted. They don't know where to go. So they'll go to Protestants, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go to the, the Catholic underground world and, oh yeah, yeah, you know, Susie from Parish Council, she, she uh, does deliverance on Tuesdays at the, in the parish basement, you know, in the evening at seven o'clock at night. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She prays over people and drives out demons. This is what's happening all over the country, and it's a mess. There's a lot of people that are getting retaliated against because they're stepping outside their lanes of authority. There's a lot of people that are just getting slimed, as they say in uh, Ghostbusters. You know, they're, mm. they're, 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 they're getting, uh, again, uh, this, uh, uh, these, they're, they're, they're evoking these spirits as a result of, of, of doing these unclean practices. So, Dan... In the book that you're writing, that you're all, that you're pretty much done with, what are the most? I want you to give me the the, the most salient chapters that are going to speak to men, because you're a military guy. I know you use, use a lot of a lot of military metaphors. Share some things with us in the book, drawing on your military background and how you're trying to teach, especially men, to be the Saint Josephs of the house and to bring order to the house. What are some of the things that men can draw from from your book using some of these military analogies that I think are going to uh, go a long way with Catholic men? Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate the compliment. Um, 
we're, we're grinding it out. We're working through it. Um, we say in the military, Charlie, Mike, continuing the mission. And we're just we're just trying to get this thing finished and, and out into, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and it's we, we're testing it out in field juice right now. And it's been very effective. Basically, the contribution of Father Ripperger and I sat at his feet and, and, and Kyle Clement's feet for many years uh, working cases uh, both locally and with them. And um, the, I, let me let me start by saying there's some unique contributions. And, and even though it's a, it's a rather involved and in-depth book, um, two basic things that you're looking for, you're, what, where the demon holds, okay? Because you can go in there all day long and you can blast it. What you're going to have is – you know, like uh, Hill 101 in Vietnam, where 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 the enemy is 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 the, the 101st Airborne uh, uh, was up there, and they end up calling an airstrike on their own position. They finally take this hill at a loss of like 60, 70 percent of their troops, and then the Viet Cong move out the next day and abandon it. Uh, and then a week later, the, they're they're ordered to abandon the hill. It's like, what are we fighting for? How do we clear, clear objectives? So the clear objectives here, what we're trying to identify in a nutshell are two areas where the diabolic holds. One is um, areas where there are obstacles to grace. So it's focusing on particularly your vocational sacrament. Grace flows into the world in seven principal ways. And it might sound overly simplistic. Seven ways that grace flows into the world in, in the ordinary way, distribution of grace. And it's the seven sacraments of the church. And when you've been involved with cases long enough, you'll hear the demon challenging the validity or lucidity of every single sacrament in cases of possession in these internal locutions, projections to the person. So we see in, 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 in real time how the demon also responds to the sacraments. He lights up during sacramental years. You know, when did this start? When did your child start receiving these afflictions? Or when did your child start noticing this? Well, it was right before he first communion or, or confirmation, et cetera. So looking for obstacles to grace, it could be more, you know, habitual mortal sin, um, but it could be venial sins, the big, the little sins that are, that are big deals often overlooked, as Kyle likes to put it. They're big deals often overlooked are the little teeny holding points. What are those? So, so at one level, there's two vectors crossing. One vector that, that, that is crossing in this manual is identifying the uh, uh, obstacles to grace. Where is grace being included in your life? Very obvious. Okay, I'll give you an obvious one. Sitting down with a case, a uh, woman says she's afflicted, 37 years old. She's been married 19 years. She's got two kids. So I ask her the captain obvious question. Are you uh, contracepting or have you ever contracepted? She said, yeah, we were contracepting for a long time. We realized that this was not uh, against the teaching of church, so we stopped that practice. Okay, have you ever confessed it? Oh my gosh, no, I've I've never confessed it. That's a holding point for the demon. The demon holds right there. So you've got to we've got to uncover. So it's a really deep general confession. And the at the early stages of this, when we first were formulating this protocol, we just did a deep we just taught them to taught the cases to do a general confession. So this is basically what we're doing, a deep general confession. And the second vector that is a true, another true contribution of both Father Ripperger as a, as a, as a Thomistic psychologist. Remember, he's an academic, a scholar, in addition to being before he was ever an exorcist. And also with working with Kyle, Kyle, who was a, uh, a, 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 um, a rancher. I think we're gonna we'll go to the second one. The second one is on the psychological compatibility. So the first yeah, hold one on there, Dan. Hold on, hold that thought. Grace. Hold that thought, brother. We're talking uh, War College. Dr. Nash Schneider, Jesse Romero. Deep dive into Dan's uh, new book on healing and deliverance for lay people. We'll be right back.
Reveille, wake up. Let's go. We're talking about Dan's upcoming book. Once again, uh, there there are certain books in the Catholic faith that that cause theological earthquakes. This book will be one of them, and the reason is because I I, I believe that uh, we're in the final battle. What I mean by the final battle, Sister Lucia said back in 1980 that the final battle uh, that Satan will wage against the church will be against marriage and family. We're seeing it right now. We're seeing the diabolical attack against marriage and family like we've never seen it before. And let's just let's just be honest. There's not enough people out there, or there's not enough priests out there to to basically minister and 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 service the needs of the people. They're just they're just not. And so with Dan Schneider and Kyle Clement and uh, and, and through Father Ripperger's lectures, he's putting a book together, which is going to be uh, it's going to be uh, something that we can put in our war bags, our gym bags, our lunch pails, so that we can know how to clean up our act so that we can know how to convert our house into a domestic church so that we can know how to become the St. Joseph's of our house and so that we can armor up and we can just uh, make sure that we stay protected from the diabolical. Dan, so you're talking about your book. Continue, my friend. Yeah, so the, so the really, the, 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 if you want to look at the overall methodology, so to speak, the overarching plan, the strategy, you have strategy and you have tactics in combat, right? You always have the overarching strategy. We're going to take this hill and then and on route, we're going to do these five things that, that, to capture this city, right? The tactics are what you put in your, in your rucksack and your Alice pack. That's the stuff. These are, these are the weapons. These are the, if you're going to cross a bridge, you need this, you know, this type of, if you're going to create a rope bridge, you need a certain amount of rope. If you're going to blow up a bridge, to, to stop the enemy's pursuit, you need a certain demo. You need a demo team. So these are the tactics. So strategically, what we're trying to do is identify obstacles to grace because the, the enemy the enemy enters through sin and holds through heresy. So identifying the obstacles to grace is identifying those areas of unconfessed sin, little sins, sometimes repeated venial sins, right? But but also areas of unbelief where you have not conformed yourself in thought, word, and deed to the truths of the of the doctrinal and moral teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. This is why it goes deeply into the, the the into the I, I at least cover the main teachings of the church, moral teachings, the teachings on Mariology, the teachings on these other things. Again, and every this is a phenomenon de facto, and every single case of diabolic possession that we've seen. But by Father Ripperger's numbers, it's it's I think he said 85 or 80 percent, but almost nearly every single case. Okay, there is there is some Marian heresy in this person. The person holds something. There's some dog. One of the of the four dogmas in the fifth doctrine of Mary. There's somewhere in there that that the demons projecting heretical thoughts, whether, um, you know, Mary wasn't assumed into heaven. She had uh, other children besides Jesus, etc. Again, pointing to the fact, the importance of living orthopraxy, clean and right practice, as well as orthodoxy. So that's the first vector. The second is looking at areas of trauma without going too deeply into the psychology. Uh, this is not a psychological manual, but it's learning to identify through the virtues Right. And through self-reflection, what areas of my life do I have psychological wounds? Right. The 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 analogy that that Kyle has used, it's brilliant. Again, he he studies the demon through the eyes of watching apex predators uh, that go after the flock. Right. As a rancher. And so when you when you when you watch the way coyotes go after 
cattle, right, or big game. They wait until the most vulnerable. They wait until the cat, till the till the cow was giving birth to the calves. At that moment of vulnerability, it attracts the demon, right? That that sound of weakness, of vulnerability. What are the so so? It's like drawing in the coyote hunters in the in in the, in Texas in the Southwest. They'll hunt legally coyotes because they decimate the livestock population. And how do they do it? They call in the coyote. Through a rat, the the call you can get these on the in the in the app store. The sound of a dying rabbit, the sound of a of a, of a wounded puppy. They would project this through a speaker, and it will actually draw the coyotes in. The predator instincts will override their own desires for safety, their own instinct for safety. The predator instinct for blood will will override it. Um, and so the, the demon works in the same way. So what are those areas that we're projecting psychologically and emotionally, like a dying rabbit? What are we pr- pr- projecting out there as a in our woundedness psychologically, areas of trauma, and how do we shore that up by 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 becoming wholer uh, interiorly? So teaching how to replace virtue vices with virtue, doing a deep dive on the virtues as well, and identifying those areas, what we call psychological compatibility or a symbiotic attraction with the demon. And we've talked about this, Jess. You go on these calls, right? We see this all the time. And this is important because you have to get separation. This is one of the six stages of liberation is separation. The human has to start separating himself or herself from the diabolic. And until that happens, liberation can't come. And so just like you get called, what's it called, a domestic in the California violence, code, 415, 415, 415. you get called on a 415, you show up there, as you've said many times, this is the most dangerous calls that you can go on. How many times does, 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 does an officer show up by the time he gets there, the fighting has subsided and the woman is saying, you can't take him away. I don't want to press charges. Mm-hmm. He's my boyfriend. He's my baby daddy. I want him. I, I, I don't want you to do this. And she's crying and yelling at you. And suddenly you're the bad guy. Yep. Because she's not ready for separation. And so getting that separation, you have to you have they have to start identifying those areas where the diabolic has moved in and began to uh, coexist, having this unholy alliance with the diabolic. So identifying those areas of psychological compatibility that can only be shored up by through through uh, specifically in the tradition of the church, we clean this up through prayer. Teaching, learning how the mental prayer is also offering up a vicarious suffering, atonement, offering our prayers up for for whoever hurt us, offering our prayers up in atonement for our sins, for our own participation in evil, to to fill up this cup of satisfaction of the justice of God. In his mercy, you receive his forgiveness. In his justice, there's still the debt due, the temporal punishment due, uh, due to sin, according to the catechism. So teaching people how to tap into the value and power of suffering, both for yourself and also for others, offering your suffering up for the church, offering your suffering up for your family, etc. So so those are the two overarching vectors that are woven into the whole without getting into the tactics. And in each section has its own specific tactics. Let, that me, need to let, be me, let me jump in and mention something. Dan, there's a lot, there's other models out there and I know of other models because I've worked in other models. And I can tell you that uh, there's a high recidivism rate in the other models of healing and deliverance. And uh, I've talked to many people of goodwill that practice those models. And they see the, they see the deficiencies. And I've, I've told them, don't you realize that you're not preparing the soul uh, yeah. by, by bringing the soul back into a state of sanctifying grace by teaching the soul what virtue is the difference between virtue and vice which they don't know 
uh, again, they're, they're, they're into, they have intellectual darkness. I said, unless you do that, you're going to keep on having this client for the next 10 years. And in fact, they do. I, I was in California talking to some people that are involved in this, in uh, healing and deliverance. And they're saying, oh, yeah, we've been praying over this one person for 10 years. Oh, this person, yeah, we've been praying over this person for, for seven years. Oh, yeah, oh, and this one here, yeah, we've been praying over this one for ooh, eight and a half years. Dan, the recidivism, what, what, they, what happens is if you don't prepare the soul to live in a state of grace and to, and to become basically a prayer warrior, I mean, just, just somebody who's just, uh, uh, you know, hitting their prayers throughout the day uh, and somebody who's, who's returned to a life of the sacraments, what ends up happening, they turn the person into a spiritual drug addict. The person is going to get some relief because, again, people pray in faith in the name of Jesus. Something's going to happen, uh, especially if, if the lay people you know, are in a state of grace themselves. There's going to be some movement. There's going to be some, some uh, at least emotional consolation. But what happens, a week, two weeks, a month happens, and it's back again. Uh, you know, in full living color, th- these diabolical a- attacks and, and, and projections. And here they are calling up uh, the prayer group and calling up the priest and saying, Father, can you pray for me again? Then, and it goes on and on. They turn them into spiritual heroin addicts. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you do, because and, and, you do get relief. But uh, but I'll give you an example. I read on the Catholic media not long ago, there was a uh, a woman manifested at Mass in Italy, somewhere in south of Rome, I think. And they whisked her out of the church. They brought her to another chapel. And three three priests did nine hours of continual exorcism for her. Um, of course, they didn't mention that she was liberated because I doubt highly she was. The soul has to be ready. God will mine out. He will let the person be afflicted as Christ. And so often the people that come to us, God is allowing them to be afflicted, not, not to punish them, but to allow more grace to bring balance back and to bring the whole family construct back into into a state of grace. So you see movement and separation between the diabolic and the human when the person begins now to offer their suffering and atonement for their own sins and reparation for the sins of others and offering up for their family. You know, the, and, and, and I use a quote from Chesterton in this book, and Chesterton said the, that the true soldier doesn't fight for what's in front of him. Mm. He fights for what's behind him. That's right. right? His family, his 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 country, right? So so or whatever that is, and so in liberation you have to fight. Or are you willing to fight and suffer as Christ for your family? This is something that's completely ignored in other models. And so you can pray until the cows come home. If 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 they ha- if God hasn't allowed grace to pour into that construct, and particularly if they're not in the state of grace, if you do get a liberation, it won't. It usually doesn't last. The recidive rate is very high. How many times did I go into the session, you get the person prepared for the priest to come out and do the session, and I would always ask, hey, uh, by the way, did you go to Mass this weekend? Nah, I didn't. The demon wouldn't let me go to Mass. Oh, really? So did you go to confession that you missed Mass? No, nah, the demon won't let me get go on church grounds. Well, you're not in a state of grace. If you're not in a state of grace, um, the demon only works in the objective. So, again, going back to the abusive relationship, the 415 call, right? Mm-hmm. You, you show up. What happens? The woman is now saying, don't take him. Don't take him. I love my baby daddy, right? What happens after the popo go home, right? And Who takes the, the beating? She's going to get beat down. Why did you call the police on me? Why did you bring the paddy wagon over here? Well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. So that's retaliation. So, so if the person is not ready, 
um, then they will be retaliated against. And that's the that, by the way, that, that's a perfect analogy. I, it, you can't give a, a more clear analogy than what you've just done in that police scenario with what happens when a person's not ready uh, to, to be to be prayed over. You know, prayers of healing and deliverance. That, that's that's a per because I've seen that. I've seen what happens when. Uh, and you see also the the psychological compatibility between the abuser and the abused. You have this unholy symbiotic attraction one to the other. And what's happening in the physical realm is only mirroring what's happening in the spiritual realm. So the diabolic that is afflicting the woman that would allow her to take the abuse, whatever the psychological wound is, childhood, father wound, whatever, is attracted to the diabolic that's driving the, the fallen human. So the fallen angel is attracted symbiotically to the fallen human, and those two now attract each other. Mm. So you've got to get them a purity of thought, word, and deed to break the pattern, psychological War, War pattern. College. Jess Romero, Dan Schneider will continue. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. Dan, you just used a, you use a, well, you use this word all the time, and it probably goes over some people's head. You said that 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 uh, people have a psychological compatibility with a demon, and then you said this means that they have a symbiotic relationship with each other. Uh, the word symbiotic relationship, it's 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 a term that's derived from the word symbiosis which refers to two people or two organisms that work together for mutual benefit and act as one in the process. So when a person enters into a symbiotic relationship with a demon and they're psychologically compatible, this is very dangerous. And again, unless the person returns to a life living in a state of grace, uh, there's just no way you're going to be able to uh, drive the demon out. Uh, at best, all you're going to be able to do is give the person some type of emotional or, or consolation, but uh, you're not going to be able to affect full liberation. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, so un until that is cleaned up, you're vulnerable for for again recidivism. So, why why do why does well, do some some uh, charismatic models work? Well, they work because of the, the power of the name of Jesus. The, the demon responds to the prayers. He responds to the name of Jesus, even if it's done outside of the authority structure. The demon can and does often respond. The problem is, if you don't shore up, if you're praying for over somebody who's not in a state of grace, they're still contracepting in their home, they're still they're still looking at porn, they, they, you know, and then psychologically, they still got deep psychological trauma that they haven't dealt with. They've got issues of, of, of you know, a, a malformation due to their own father. They've got the father wound, so-called, and they've got all these psychological uh, issues. As soon as the baby daddy gets released, right, from, from, from jail, he goes right back right back to her, right? They have this unholy attraction one to the other. So we see this unholy attraction between the woman and the man. That same unholy attraction is taking place between the demon coanimating with the person. And now those two demons now work in an unholy solidarity with each other for the damnation of each of the souls that's under their particular watch or their particular, that's been given some permission to be with them, to be present to them. Dan, there was a there was a priest back in the '60s that used a term. It 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 it's 
not the same as well. It's, he didn't use the term psychological compatibility, but uh, or, or symbiotic relationship. But he used a term called perfect possession. That was Father Malachi Martin, and he he the way he described it, he said, perfect possession is when a human person aligns his will with a demon's will. That sounds to me kind of like psychological compatibility. Perfect possession, right. al- aligning your will with a demon's will. Right. So what we try to do is. Is how many times did you did when you had your fighter you're you 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 you're training a fighter and you are able to see it and slow it down you're seeing the punches come in you're saying look when you do this you slow this punch down right and so when you're fighting somebody else how many times did you try to to try to set him up when you saw Tyson Fury knocked out the the upper that big uppercut they said the uppercut hurt around the world last month hmm. in the fifth round he knocks him out but he set this punch up in the first round. In the first round, he did just a little head bob, just a little head bob, and and I forget the fighter's name that he was fighting. The the fighter would lower his chin and he would raise his elbows, exposing exposing his button to to Fury. Fury waited till the right moment. He set up the punch. He feigned and he throws the uppercut, drops the guy. Okay, the demon's going to work the same way. The demon's going to try to set up patterns, and what do those patterns look like? They're psychological patterns. They're triggers, psychological triggers, usually driven that are that are defect driven, driven by some defect. The same defect that attracts the abusive man to the to the woman who will who allowed the abuse, that same defect now is, is creates this unholy bond, and that's that's what what is causing the, the the unholy attraction. So the demon will continue to push on the individual to uh, to surrender to the emotions and live largely in emotional existence to continue to tell the story to continue living in the woundedness of a psychological trauma. And as they do that, the demon little by little habituates. The thinking and the the volition and the in the in the cognition, the thinking and the willing. Okay, and so because the demon cannot have access to that unless the person surrenders it, either voluntarily or involuntarily, through habituation. So Saint Thomas says that the demon will try to that that not that the demon, but Thomas says that those faculties can be habituated. Virtue and vice are both repeated acts. Right. This is Vince Lombardi, uh, um, who said winning is the habit. And unfortunately, so is losing, right? So virtues and vice are both repeated acts. This is why we go so deeply into the manual on virtues and vices, because we have to cut that behavior off to identify where the demon is being operant in areas of life that we have psychological and emotional uh, you know, vulnerabilities. Dan, your, your book is going to be something that's very practical because a lot of people, they think, no, no. I need to go to a priest. I need to go to an exorcist. If I got some type of diabolical affliction, there's no way I can do this on my own. Let me share with you a few stories of people that have self-delivered. Father Gabriel Morth in his book, An Exorcist, More Stories, on page 100, says the following. He says this. The following are two fairly recent examples of self-liberation. St. John Bosco and Blessed Father Giovanni Calabria. From the life of St. John Bosco, we know that he was subject to extraordinary demonic activity for two years. We do not know exactly how he liberated himself. On this point, Don Bosco was particularly reticent. I sense that his humility prevented him from revealing to us the extraordinary penance that he practiced to overcome his trial. So he entered into a monastic lifestyle. Father Gamora says, one thing is certain, he did everything himself 
That is, he did not need someone else's deliverance prayers, much less exorcisms. Here's the second example Father Morth gives. He says, that's a, is that a blessed Giovanni Calabria, who was a Catholic priest, who founded a religious order and who was beatified by Pope John Paul II on April 17, 1988, when he visited Verona. During the last years of Father Calabria's life, the Lord allowed him to go through periods during which he was subject to true demonic possession. It is obvious that the object of this trial was purification and expiation. The official documents of the canonical beatification process clearly demonstrate that this holy priest accomplished his own liberation through his faith, his humility, and his prayers. He needed no prayers of deliverance or exorcisms. I believe that these two saints are encouraging examples for everyone. Close quote. So Dan, Father Gabriel Amorth basically is validating exactly what your manual is, yeah. is going to is about to teach the lay community. This is something that p- lay people can do. Of course, you know, we're going to have to man up uh, and we're going to have to buck up, but it can be done. And we have the example of two recent saints that have done so. Yeah, what, what Father, Father Morth also says that um, many, many exorcists and, and lay people working in this field, um, he said, try to short circuit. They try to short circuit the sacramental system. They, 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 and, and in so doing, he says, they fall into the sin of superstition. I mean, I get questions all the time. What about this? What about this? Uh, you know, four decade, whatever, this type of rosary or this type of trick play. It's trick plays. It's like, what if we do the shoot, you know, the hook and ladder, grind it out and smash mouth Catholicism. What is smash mouth Catholicism? Returning to the sacraments of the church, staying in a state of grace. Having a penitential sacrificial posture, right? Um, tapping into the power of redemptive suffering and and utilizing the tools that the that the that the church has been using from the beginning to defeat Satan, and that's holiness. Holiness. Occasionally, someone will require an ecclesial response where there is an ecclesial entry point, right? Not ecclesial, but a but a a um, liturgical or institutional entry point. And various types of witchcraft into the family, whereas where where that is taking place, there often will need to be an ecclesial uh, institutional response by the Catholic Church. But nonetheless, it isn't until the person says, "I am done. I want to be free. I no longer want to live this way. Right? I want true freedom in Christ." And the will then is ready. That's the deficiency in other other uh, models that I've seen that are that are otherwise have good success and they're good people and good men, good exorcists and others doing these things. But nonetheless, um, you could grind out, and it's almost uncharitable to grind out um, when the person is not interiorly ready. So, so our system builds upon a monastic system, a monastic type discipline, ordering to lo- the life to prayer. And here's why: we have found. Of course, precision is important in warfare. It is absolutely essential, precision. But also, the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. This is why the Roman the Roman legions were so effective. They were like a, a their their heavy infantry was like a buzzsaw. They would they would just grind through because of the imposition of radical imposition of order. They would line up. 
row after row, and they would all fight in an orderly way, not 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 banging their their you know uh, uh, pulling their hair and cutting themselves and screaming and hollering like 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 the pagan that they fought against or the um, the barbarians I should say that they fought against that you know they they would organize so the orderly fashion of warfare is absolutely essential as well as the accuracy and so our program kind of taps into those realities that's why I'm I'm using um, you know various mil- my my own military experience as well as um, you know things from the Marine Corps and the Army Rangers because at the end of the day this is this is not spiritual negotiation this is spiritual combat and we have to learn how to fight the way the Army Rangers fight the way the way the Marines fight. You know, on the spiritual realm, how do we do that? Learning the rules of engagement and then uh, and then and then making a bold decision. This is what we're going to do and then act. Dan, one of the key things that you just said right now that a lot of Catholics need to need to go back to is, is you said once again, the imposition of order. I think, again, because the devil's all about disorder and and the only and, and this is why a lot of people uh you know, their, their life is a mess is because they lack intellectual order. They lack spiritual order. They lack physical order. In fact, I've heard Father Ripperger tell us in, in lectures, uh, in the small group lectures that we've been with him. He says, people by and large are not very virtuous. So today God drags these things out, demonic possession, so that people can reach a certain level of virtue before he actually liberates them from demons so they can stand on their own two feet. Yeah. We'll be Amen. right back. War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We'll be right back. War College, just remember Dan Snyder. Dan's coming out with a book, which is going to be a theological earthquake in the Catholic Church. Dan is a biblical scholar. He's a, a professor at Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's taken the lectures of Father Ripperger. Dan's uh, been on his own exorcism team for years as, as well, but he's also studied under Father Ripperger and Kyle Clement. They've cobbled their notes together. They're putting out a field manual for lay Catholics because lay Catholics, we're taking a shellacking right now, uh, uh, Dan. We are taking a shellacking. Uh, there are so many casualties of, of lay Catholics because they end up going to psychics, curanderas, healers, Protestants, yep. you know, well-intentioned, uh, you know, Susans from parish council. And people are getting retaliated against. They're decimating their marriages. They're bringing the diabolical into their households. Their kids are being shellacked. And... Uh, then you're you're finally going to show people how to use the tactics or the monastic practices of the Catholic Church that have been around for two thousand years, but use them in a safe manner. That way, it's safe for you, the practitioner, and it's safe for everybody else. Uh, you know, the penitent, because right now there's there seems to be just a lot of in 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 in, in the world of of uh, Catholic healing and deliverance. There seems to be a lot of people that just shoot from the hip. Oh, no, bring him in here. Oh, yeah, he's manifesting. Yeah, bring him here. Yeah, I'll get a couple people. We'll just lay hands on him. We'll just pray over him and start speaking in tongues. Yeah, not a problem. Bring him in at 5 o'clock. We'll take care of it. A lot of it is just shooting from the hip. But, yeah, would, would... but in talking to you and studying from, with Father Ripper and Kyle, you guys have studied this, I, I mean, like on a chalkboard. I've seen your notes. 
you guys have broken this down piecemeal and you guys are this manual is going to be a time bomb yeah yeah well i i appreciate the the shot the the vote of confidence but we're just trying to do do what we can to to help as many people um again we're in crazy times you know we're taking we're taking um small range fire we're taking we're you know small arms fire we're we're taking mortars and uh, we just got to tighten the perimeter up. And this this book is hopefully to help people tighten up their perimeter, you know. Um, and one of the things that again focusing not just to the 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 phrase that 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 we use is the demon is tertiary in Catholic liberation. So often we 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 always focus on what the demon's doing, the demon this, and let's get this type of demon, it's that type of demon. All that stuff is fine to know. You got to do your intel. I'm a cab scout by trade, you know. And that's that's what I that's what I was. And so you got you to gotta do the, the, the details. But at the end of the day, the first primary focus in Catholic liberation is Jesus Christ, number one. And what we've got to do, number two, to remove all the obstacles that prevent us from being totally and completely united and possessed by Jesus Christ, mm. fully living our Catholic faith, faith, everything we can do to live close and, and in union with Jesus Christ, conforming ourselves to his will. And then only thirdly or tertiary does the demon come in. Right. He becomes the instrument of our sanctification. We become the instrument of his torture. Right. So so one of the things that we have that we do is, is gradually I try to walk through the book. At the end of each section, I introduce prayers, certain prayers, vocal prayers. Now, the vocal prayer is the lowest form of prayer, but it's a prayer that form that we should always continue to pray vocal prayers. Mm-hmm. But there must be an engagement of the heart. So at the beginning, we want to engage the volition so that people will start praying from the heart. Right. And as they pray from the heart, they now they now the words take on meaning and they're now praying specific spiritual warfare prayers. But as we progress specifically right in the midpoint of the of the manual, I place the Virgin Mary as the center as she still is the center of salvation history through the incarnation, through her. So now we start working on mental prayer. What does this mean? Getting getting you mentioned the monastic build on the monastic base, learning how to pray vocal prayer and it launched into mental prayer. This is why in what's called the imprecatory Psalms, I think it's Psalm 137, David said, right, may the Lord crush the skulls of the babies of my enemy. Mm. Wow, that sounds super harsh. Oh my goodness. Now, of course, there's a whole redactional history in the in, 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 of Israel, the history of Israel that I don't want to get into and what that meant in time in different time periods. But when the monks read that, they see the they see their enemy as the vices. The children of their enemies are the vices in their early stirrings, the early stirring of lust, the early stirring of asadia or sloth, the early stirring. So before the babies become full-blown warriors, crush the skulls of these of these of these defects in my soul. Right. So learning to pray the Psalms, learning to pray the rosary, learning to pray the spiritual warfare prayers, learning to pray the Angelus, but projecting that reality. Right. Th- this is what we're trying to do. I-, I talked to a priest last week. Fantastic guy. He says we were talking about Elijah and the defeat of, of the prophet. And this, this priest says, yeah, when I when I read that, because we would read this in session, this is powerful to read, to read the prophet uh, Elijah when he defeated them, uh, uh, when he, the, the prophets of Baal. And it ends with and Elijah took the prophets of the, uh, the false prophets down to the river and he slit their throats. Right. Mm. Wow. That's a harsh reality. But again. What occurred in history, we now have in mystery. And so this priest says, yeah, man, when I pray that, 
He said, I picture myself grabbing the demon that's afflicting me or afflicting the person I'm praying for. I drag this spiritual false prophet of Baal and I drag him down to the river and I take out my hatchet and then I slit his throat. Mm. Wow. But that's spiritual. That's projection. This is the way. Now, this is a mature. This is a very mature priest that's praying this way. Right, right. Learning how to turn your prayer to in, into uh, um, um, projection, the realities that are in your heart that you're asking God to do. So walking the soul through vocal prayer into mental prayer is very important. Dan, somebody just texted me and they asked if you can repeat that phrase again. You said that the imposition of order is as important as what? Yeah, the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as he does to the prayers themselves. Got it. And so, and so what we've seen, again, I've had people contacting me through our webpage saying, hey, what do I do? I can't get a hold of a priest. Impose the order. Just do, you know, we know that even Exodus 90, right? Exodus 90 imposes order and it works. Men that come through Exodus 90 work. We have a 30-day protocol that we put people through that's a, that's a fraction as difficult as Exodus 90. We don't have to, you don't have to take cold showers. You don't have to abstain from, from marital relations. You don't have to fast on bread and water twice a week. But it, it, it removes all the other, other distractions and focuses on praying three times a day, the Angelus and a couple other prayers. And that imposition of order, we know through the monastic tradition, is as effective in spiritual warfare as as the, the prayers themselves. This is the Roman legions who impose order on the enemy, first and foremost, and through that order, their accuracy in combat is even greater. So the imposition of order is as, the demon responds to the imposition of order as he does as much as to the prayers themselves. Good stuff. You're listening to War College, Jess Romero, uh, Dan Schneider. You know, there's other saints that have been also uh, liberated, self-liberated. I'm thinking of one, Blessed Bartolo Longo. He was an ex-Satanist, uh, probably afflicted at a very high level, being being you know being involved with a satanic coven. I mean, he was involved in everything uh, that a Satanist was involved in in college. But he returned to God through the rosary. A priest gave him a rosary, and yeah. uh, Bartolo Longo returned to the sacraments, returned to the rosary, and became basically a missionary for the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that's how he liberated himself was basically, I would say, consecrating himself to Our Lady, coming back to Our Lady, to the Rosary, and to the sacraments. So again, that's another saint that liberated without an exorcism. There's yeah. also another famous one, Dan. I'll throw another one at you. St. Francis de Sales. Uh, it's, it's said that he was tormented when he was a young guy in college by the devil, and he was delivered through the intercession of Mary by praying the Memorari on his knees, a priest gave him a miraculous medal. He held it, went into the church, got on his knees before a statue of the Madonna, did the memorari, I think, a few times, and he said he felt something lift and leave his body forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's again, it's the very simple things that bring success in combat. Here's, here's, here's something from Father Amorth. This is what he says. Um, Confession is stronger than exorcism. That is, this is how I read it. According to this exorcist, Satan is more enraged when we take souls away from him through confession than we take bodies away through exorcism. He says that in this sacrament, this sacrament of confession tears souls from the demon's grasp, strengthens against sin, unites us more closely to God, and helps conform our souls increasingly to the divine will. That's, that, that Satan is more enraged 
when when he loses souls through confession. So bearing that in mind, this is this is how we supercharge the program is getting souls in a state of grace. And most people will self-deliver through returning to the state of grace and compounding it with a life of holiness of thought, word, and deed, learning the clean from the unclean in their lives, clean and unclean books, clean and unclean television, clean and unclean sexual practices in the home, clean and unclean speech, right? When you can learn to discern the clean from the unclean, you will be well along your way towards liberation. And if you need a priest down the road to pray for you, then then so be it. Then that may, that may be. But do your part. Do the heavy spade work, the heavy lifting. Get strength. Get get holy in thought, word, and deed. As you, as you like to say, get holy or die trying. Amen. You've been listening to War College. Just remember Dan Schneider. We're talking about his upcoming book. It'll be coming out this summer. And once again, it's just it's just a it's going to be a book, probably by three of the, the 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 deepest thinkers, in my opinion, on spiritual warfare. That we have two laymen, Kyle Clement, uh, Doctor Dan Schneider, who are both uh, who are both part of the Father Father Ripperger's team, and Father Ripperger himself, who's probably the most erudite exorcist in the world right now, the most respected. Those three men have cobbled their uh, their theological insight with uh, with you know years and years of experience you know collectively, and they're putting it in a manual for lay people to teach lay people how to fight back. Once again, as Dan said, to teach lay people how to discern the clean from the unclean, uh, to teach lay people how to live a life of holiness and thought, word, and deed. Uh, this is what the church needs right now because. Uh, Satanism is on the rise, and the only way we can fight back is using the ancient weapons of the church. Dan, last last uh, minute, what do you want to say? The yeah, audience? yeah. So, so again, we're, what this book is is it's a deep dive, but it's also a look. It's looking at the warfare from guerrilla warfare. So I'm using Rogers Rangers. Rogers first rule: don't forget nothing. Right, first standing order: all rangers are subject to the articles, uh, uh, rules, and articles of war. To appear at roll call every morning. To, to on their own parade, equipped with a flintlock, 60 rounds of powder and ball, and a hatchet. Right? Um, let the um, their, the hatchet must be scoured. Their weapon must be cleaned at all time. Right? Um, you know, let the enemy come until he's almost close enough to touch, and then let him have it and jump out and finish him with your hatchet. Learning to do spiritual warfare on a spiritual realm, how to engage the enemy, is is very very incredible. But the most way we do it is holiness, thought, word, and deed. Amen. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. As for me and Dan, we are EOW, end of watch. We are out. God bless you. Keep the faith.